I was in second period and this newly certified Indiana music teacher was holding study hall. My accompanist ran in and said, a plane has just crashed into one of the Twin Towers. What, I explained, it's all over the news, he said. I turned on the TV in the classroom and watched the coverage with my students in disbelief. Moments later, another plane crashed into the other tower. We all gasped. It was as if all the air had been sucked out of the room. It felt unreal. A few minutes later, we watched as one of the buildings fell. The principal came over the loudspeaker. Teachers, turn off your televisions. I allowed the students to talk amongst themselves, which is a huge no-no so that we could all begin to process what we had just seen. We didn't have any other information at that time, but over the coming days, we'd learned so much more. I went into my office to start calling friends who had moved to New York. Were any of them working temp jobs in the building that day? My calls were met with busy signals. Looking back, I still hold some guilt around that day. I let an entire class of students watch a plane crash into a building. I let them watch the violent end of life. What do you hold from that day? Perhaps yours is a smell that you conjure up in your memory? A podcast I listened to this week reminded me that the smell of jet fuel lingered for months in the field where Flight 93 crashed. A friend of mine who was here in New York City at that time told me that what he remembered is smoke and the concern about the air quality in the days after. Being afraid to breathe. And now, 20 years later, he, as a black gay man in America, is still shouting, I can't breathe. Over 660,000 deaths and climbing in these United States over the last year and a half due to a virus that attacks the respiratory system. Right now, people are lying in hospital beds connected to machines because they can't breathe. Do you know that old saying, the more things change, the more they stay the same? How do we reclaim our breath in a place and time where our next breath is always precarious, be it through natural disaster or the disaster of injustice? Each generation holds a traumatic event specific to them. The assassinations of, of JFK and MLK, the space shuttle Challenger explosion, 9-11, uh, the Sandy Hook massacre, COVID, the beating of Rodney King, the deaths of Trayvon Martin and Mike Brown and Oscar Grant and Sandra Bland and George Floyd and Philando Castile and Breonna Taylor and Ayanna Jones and countless other lives who, that have been sacrificed at the altar of white supremacy. And many other tragedies that I didn't name. It's wild to consider that the babies born on or around 9-11 are the ones who didn't get a graduation due to COVID lockdown. And that the Sandy Hook kids should be starting middle school this year. We carry these traumas with us, collect new ones as we live, compounded on top of the last, and pass them down to generations after us. 
Now, if you've tuned in for a while, you've probably heard me talk about the Odes of Solomon before. If not, you can catch up in a previous episode on one of our YouTube, on our YouTube channel. Um, like any of our other ancient texts, we know so little about it. Um, we don't know, you know, when it was written. We think around the second century and we don't know where, though we think it was a collection of writers. The text points to roots and connections to multiple cultures and countries the traditions of Israel and early Christianity, the poetic stylings of Syria. Though the only complete collection we have is in Syriac, portions have been found in Coptic, Greek, and Latin, showing us the widespread nature of this text. Syria, in those first and second centuries, also experienced a fair amount of conquering and turnover in leadership. It was sort of a, a mixing pot for all the folks who had come through to lay claim, all the cultures that had been ushered in as the national standard. As you can imagine, it was a difficult and often violent time. And yet, the author of our ode for today is full of joy despite crappy circumstances. This is an invitation to praise. The next portion of this ode is the voice of Christ inviting the ancient audience to love him and be nourished by him. Before Christ speaks, the odist, or perhaps when this is being performed, the choir sings, peace was prepared for you before what may be your war. The space is there, it's always there waiting for you. But as Mrs. Witch, who is played by Oprah Winfrey, says in A Wrinkle in Time, the only way out is through. The problem with holding trauma in the body when we don't work through the trauma that is stored in our bodies is it gets stuck. And as it sits stuck in the body, it degrades the health of the rest of our systems. Your nervous system, your immune system, your digestive system, your processing system, the entire body suffers as a result of unresolved, of undealt with trauma. We must get unstuck. We know how to hold these traumas and even pass them down to future generations. So let us also pass down ways to release trauma. We must release the trauma, find the places that is stuck in our bodies and release it. We must let go of the stress and tension we've held for all these years. Thank our bodies and our brains for all the ways it has protected us during these moments, but then let them know that the memory of that moment is not the same thing as the actual moment. And we no longer need that sort of protection. Now, what I am suggesting is not some sort of collective or even individual amnesia. Uh, it's more like Sankofa. Sankofa is an African word that means go back and fetch it. It is not taboo to go back and get that which you have left behind. Uh, the symbol is a bird. I don't know if any of you have ever noticed my tattoo or if you can see it here, um, but it is a bird flying this way forward to go back to get the, back, the egg that it's on its back. Notice the bird is not carrying a backpack. It's about carrying the gems or the lessons, the most important piece forward. What is it that you want to take into the future? And what do you want to leave behind? This is not fake it till you make it. 
there is some active work to be done. And it won't look the same for everyone, but our nervous systems have been in a state of dysregulation for too long. It's time to regulate. So regulators, mount up. So here are a few methods to try. If you want to try them with me now, that'd be wonderful. <clears throat> Method one is to breathe into the stuck places. There are two different ways in which you can do this, um, but they're both pretty much the physical embodiment of what a therapist says to Whitley in an episode of A Different World. Relax, relate, release. First, close your eyes. Conjure up the traumatic experience. Notice the emotional response you have to this moment. Can you identify the emotions? Notice where your body feels tight. Is it in your chest? Perhaps your stomach? Are your brows furrowed? Now breathe deeply in. As you breathe out, breathe out all of the negative emotions, all of the toxicity you've been holding. Thank it for serving you in that moment and let it go. Breathe in again into the places where you've identified tension in your body. And as you breathe out, relax those muscles. Let your shoulders drop, unfurrow your brow. Slowly breathe in again. And this time, breathe in peace. Breathe in love. And allow this breath to bring fresh air to this memory, almost like removing a filter on a picture or, or a clearing of smoke. Again, notice where you're holding tension in your body and let that breath hold that tension out. And then you follow the same steps. Do those breaths over and over again, clearing the space. The second breathing exercise is um, similar. It starts similarly anyway, with closed eyes and bringing forth the traumatic experience in your mind's eye. And then you identify the emotions and notice um, where the tension sits in your body and where you're holding this in your body. But instead of breathing um, these slow breaths, your breathing will be sharp, fast and forceful. Like <laughs> imagine um, each breath breaking up the tension and, and ushering out the toxins, kind of like a, a clean sweep. I often imagine the breath breaking down the walls I've built or, or a huge industrial fan blowing away what no longer serves me. You place your hands over your heart as you do this, or sometimes like a scooping motion as you breathe in and out. Um, and imagine that um, you're breaking up the places that have become uh, too petrified in your heart to beat. Imagine the expansion as you break up the petrification and allow your heart to beat more fully, clearing it out so you have space to breathe and, and beat and feel deeply and love. Method two is um, talk and active listening. Um, this is done with a partner, so we'll do this in chat and chew directly after worship, so join me there to participate. Um, if you are uncomfortable doing this with a partner, you can try writing a letter instead to yourself at the age where you experience the trauma. Let yourself know that you understand what happened and then comfort yourself at that age 
and let yourself know that they are all right and that you've got you. Method three is song and dance. Now in our justice work, this is the connector for the church and the street. It has been the embodiment of prayer, even when words didn't seem to suffice. Now we'll do um, a singing meditation in the chat and chew as well, but the movement one we'll do here together. From a physiological perspective, we know that exercise or movement or dance boosts endorphins, dopamine and adrenaline and increases the production of antibodies and T cells in your system. Alice Walker said, hard, time hard times require furious dancing. She calls us to dance through whatever challenges us, reminds us that it's basic for maintaining balance and that some of the moves made popular in black culture stem from the ways black dancers in the olden days were contorting out various knots of stress. She calls us to honor the role of dance in healing, to dance sorrows away or at least integrate them more smoothly into daily existence. If you were a Grey's Anatomy fan, you'll remember Christina and Meredith would often dance it out to relieve stress and tension. Hard times require furious dancing, Alice Walker writes. Each of us is proof. So let's do this. If you've got the space and are able, I invite you to stand up and dance with me to a song I wrote that uses the words of this ode. Sing joy of the Lord and let your love abound from heart to lips in order to bring forth fruit of the Lord a holy life and speak with attention in his light. Stand and be restored, all you who were once flattened, speak you were silent, your mouth has been opened, from now on be lifted up. This has been raised For the right hand of the Lord Is with you all And she will be a help for you Open, open your heart To the dancing joy of the Lord And let your love abound From heart to lips In order to bring forth Proof of the Lord a holy life And speak with attention In his light Stand and be restored all you who were once flattened, speak you are silent. Your mouth has been opened, from now on be lifted up. You who were destroyed since your justice has been raised. For the right hand of the Lord is with you all, and she will be a help for you.
with you all um there is a piece that has already been prepared for us even before we knew the the war we'd have to endure and that piece is simply waiting for us if we are willing to get to the other side may it be so <laughs> <laughs> 